0: As... God... Intended.
1: Let's go. healers to looking for healing radio where pharmaceuticals are not medicine, but love always is. And thank you so much for listening and sharing the show. Oh my goodness, folks, we are getting such great feedback on the show. Thank you for continuing to put it out there for folks that, I mean, if you are tired and I am tired of talking about the problems and want to get into the solutions, this is definitely a show for you and everybody that you love. Well, as you know by now, I'm Dr. H, and I want you to make sure you listen in with me and all of my healing homies, Nicola Burnett, Dr. Jenna Schmidt, and Dr. Brian Artis, of course, Monday through Friday on uh, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network and via our recorded podcast at americaoutloud.com. So if you missed the show, don't worry about it. You can go and listen to it on a replay. You can also check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora Networks, uh, just anywhere that you can find the America Out Loud phone app or your Apple, Android, or Alexa, just go ahead and listen in at your leisure. And we are love, we love having you. We love being able to share a little bit of time with you every day during the week. So Looking for Healing Radio is sponsored by GlobalHealing.com, simply the finest, most potent, most effective natural medicines in the world today. I love what Dr. Group is doing, and I am not even bashful about admitting it. There is nobody out there making medicine like he makes medicine, folks. Uh, I I am just completely, completely in love with everything that he is doing. Uh, And why? Because it works. It's the right way to do things, and it works. So feel the difference, integrity, and love. For medicine making, can make for you go to globalhealing.com and enter promo code out loud to discover the medicine God intended for us all. Get incredible deals and find global healing, and all of the wonderful America Out Loud sponsors at America Out That's America Out Well, healers, we have a great show for you today. Um, I got uh somebody from our research team uh that's going to join me in the second and the third segment. Uh, Minnick, uh Bilodo Nesmina, who she's going to slap me for saying her name wrong (laughs) there, forgive me. Um, But just, she's been doing a phenomenal job of researching plasmid curing compounds. So what I want to do with you is set up that conversation. So we're going to talk a little bit about plasmids. Uh, We always want to give credit where credit is due, right? So we want to make sure um, the person who really brought this to the forefront was Kevin McKernan. Uh, who is in our movement, the expert on plasmids, in my opinion. Uh, we've also had great conversations with Mike Donio about plasmids. We did a show a week or two ago about that. So just go ahead and check out the replay uh, podcast if you um, if you missed it. It was just brilliant um, and laying out what plasmids really are. But that's the problem. We want to get into the solution. So uh, what we started doing was, uh, you know, we we have a really incredible research team, folks, and, and, um, and what's so incredible about this research team is many of the people who are on the research team are people who are recovering themselves. Like I've been saying, it's time to stop being a patient and start being a student, right? So a lot of these folks are being a great part of their own rescue and are going to be a great part of the rescue for a lot of folks out there who are uh, suffering and just, you know, I I, I saw a thread um, by someone yesterday on Twitter, I forget his Twitter handle, it's blue something, but he was just like distraught, you know, he's like, look, I've tried everything and and nothing's working and, you know, who else is experiencing this? And you read through the comments and it's like hundreds of comments of people who are same situation. They're like, yes, I've been trying, nothing is working, you know, and, and everybody's describing the same phenomenon that we are We've been describing the regression phenomenon uh, that's going on, whereby people start feeling a little bit better and then it's like the window just slams shut on them and the symptoms just return with a vengeance. You know, and so what we've kind of figured out, and, and big shout out to Dr. Sabine Hazan uh, as well um, for her work on the microbiome is that this to us looks very much like plasmid genetically infected uh, bacteria and what are they infected by, by these damn plasmids. Um, so, you know, when we get into this, it's like, how do I explain? Like we were started seeing something working with people who are, you know, severely injured and, and recovering. Um, and it was like, I, I would get these calls from folks and the calls would be, you know, they're in tears, not because they're in pain, they're in tears because they're feeling better for the first time and they really feel like they're going to heal. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, as a healer, you just go, Oh, we finally turned the corner. All right. We figured some stuff out. Let's learn what we did well, a little bit better and see if we can help people replicate. You know, that's where my head goes. And then it'd be like four or five days later. And they'd be like crying me in tears again and calling me and in, in crying in tears again. And I'd be like, oh my God, what's going on? And they're like, I feel terrible. I feel worse, you know, than, than I ever felt before and everything. And yes, it's subjective, but who am I to say that they're not feeling exactly what they're saying? You know what I mean? We're in uncharted territory. So we start taking that in and going, my God, what happened? You know, we haven't changed anything. You know, we maybe stopped a little something here for a, uh, for a day or two, you know, what, what happened? Well, originally in in my preliminary designs i you know i've always been able to work with people in their healing processes in 28 day cycles you know where you know they we have them healing for 28 days we give them a couple of days off after the 28 days and then we start up another healing cycle another 28 day cycle we've always done this in alignment with lunar cycles you know full lunar cycle is 28 days so that you just go look your body's going to heal in 28 days the moon rules water water is basically um, you know, what makes our body up two thirds, three quarters of our body composition is water. So of course the moon is going to have a, a huge influence over us. And so what what we've always been able to do prior to these, this bioweapon being unleashed is we've been able to work in those longer healing cycles. But now we were like, wow, I, I was like, I, we can't work in these longer cycles because things are changing so rapidly. And so we started looking what was going on. And what we found was that it was, tied in with full moons, that a lot of the symptoms getting worse, especially early on for people is when the moon is going into a full moon phase. And that's consistent in natural medicine with acceleration of parasitic and um, dysbiotic bacteria overgrowth. Like That's when they become the most active. And God knows why that is. It's just an observation we've used for hundreds of years in natural medicine. So we started tying that together and I was like, wow, something's not right here. The window opens, but then it slams shut. What the F is going on? You know, um, and how do I explain what's happening? I've never seen this before. It's got to be spike glycoprotein. We know that, right? But it doesn't make sense to me that a human cell would be making this much spike glycoprotein this quickly. When that same human cell is responsible for so many other protein synthesis, protein manufacturing compounds, it can't just isolate and go, I'm only going to make spike glycoprotein. If it did that, it would have to go into apoptosis and go into pre-programmed cell death. So it just didn't make sense. It was like, this doesn't make sense of how this can be. And And it didn't make sense because I didn't understand what was going on. You see, Dr. Sabine Hazan has talked about, you know, absence of bifidobacterium. And so you start thinking, well, oh, that person was more susceptible. They just didn't have any bifidobacterium. Wrong thought. That's not the correct thought. The correct thought is that they had bifidobacterium. They got the damn shot. The plasmids infected the bifidobacterium the bifidobacterium couldn't withstand that genetic infection and collapsed it's what i've termed colony collapse in terms of the microbiome and we've seen that in our screenings of the microbiome that yes we will see colony collapse you'll see entire populations of bacteria gone after a person's gotten a damn shot, or if they're long haul, or in some cases, if they are very, very sensitive to shedding. So I had to stop for a second and go, well, wait a second. What is shedding then? We've been making this fall. We've been making some really shitty assumptions, um, to be honest with you. And that's no knock on anybody. I was making the same stupid ass assumptions. All right. But we've made some real shitty assumptions. Number one, the first stupid-ass assumption was that the damn shots are safe and effective. Eh, I think we know that that ain't true, right? But then you get into the second assumption that this—that the shots can't genetically infect human cells—been eh, proven in without any shred of doubt that they do and they can. But what we missed and what I missed in late 2022 was that if this could happen to a human cell, the reverse transcriptase, the genetic infection, and all this other crap that goes on, could this also happen in the microbiome? Could it happen to bacterial cells? Could it happen to yeast cells? Could this happen to cells that are symbiotic with us? And the answer to that sadly is yes, it can and it does. And in fact, much easier, and in fact, with greater replicative speed. And this is how you get into regression. So we make these assumptions. Another assumption is that the spike glycoprotein is very difficult to break down bullshit. No, it's not. It's very easy to break down. Hydrogen diluted food grade, hydrogen peroxide knocks it right out. Nanokidase knocks it right out. Vitamin C knocks it right out. It's, it's not very robust you know, in terms of its resilience to enzymatic degradation. Okay. So, you know, it's not that big deal. So the thing is though, it's that it's constantly being produced. Well, if the human cells aren't constantly producing it, even if they have the capability of doing so, then where is that source of constant production? That source of constant production has to be the microbiome. It has to be symbiotic bacteria and yeast within us. And when you start going into their literature, this evil Luciferian literature that they're putting out, that they're calling life sciences, my ass, like more like end of life sciences is what this is. When you get into that, you start seeing that they've been studying this stuff since 1972. They have perfected, perfected getting lab-generated plasmids, circular DNA rings with an origin of replication so it can be self-replicating with an antibiotic-resistant region so that it can be resistant to antibiotics with a promoter region, a promoter region that's called constitutively. Now that's a big fancy word to mean there's no damn off switch, all right? And the promoters that they have used in all of these damn shots, whether it's Moderna and Pfizer for the production of the N1 methylated pseudouridine mRNA, or whether it's the Johnson and Johnson with the CMV and the T7 or the AstraZeneca with the cytomegalovirus promoter, it doesn't matter. The promoters are all constitutive, which means that they don't have an off switch. They will produce the damn thing that's in there, the spike glycoprotein sequence. They will produce it incessantly. That's what makes it a bioweapon, let alone that it's a genetic infection that we didn't need. That's what makes it a bioweapon, the incessant production of the lethal protein compound, the spike glycoprotein. We know the spike glycoprotein injures mitochondria. We know the spike glycoprotein breaks down cell signaling and especially nitric oxide and just a whole slew of others, the, NR, uh, the, what, the, N, the NRF2, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, uh, cascade, but how, how cells talk inside of themselves and to neighboring cells, it completely disrupts that. We know it has a binding affinity for the alpha seven nicotinic receptors, Dr. Brian Artis's great work. We know it has a binding affinity for glutamate receptors and acetylcholine receptors on the nerves. Right? And that it leads to demyelination of the nerves. We know that it completely dysregulates how immune cells coordinate their immune response to something that's not supposed to be in the body. It is a wrecking ball, the spike glycoprotein, and it is being incessantly produced in any cell that has been genetically infected with these damn plasmids. So, which cells have been genetically infected by these damn plasmids? well the easiest ones the ones they love their favorite are e coli followed up by yeast and because the origin of replication on these damn plasmids that were used in the shots are bacterial it means they can infect any bacteria so you have two options the plasmid infects we should say transfects that's the correct terminology the plasmid transfects the bacteria And the bacteria does two things, starts producing more of that self replicating plasmid so that it can, the bacteria can then conjugate, meaning have fertility level intercourse for a bacteria with another bacteria and pass the plasmid on to that bacteria. The bacteria can also produce the spike glycoprotein. So now you have two major problems in the microbiome. You have plasmids being exchanged. From this, from this bioweapon, and you have those genetically infected bacteria now producing the spike glycoprotein incessantly. The spike glycoprotein gets absorbed into the bloodstream. It gets absorbed into the body. It de- just destroys everything that it comes in contact with, and then it starts clogging up the liver and the kidneys and any other small capillaries. And all. I mean, it's just a nightmare. It's just an absolute nightmare for de- for anybody who is. It's 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 how you create depopulation. It's how you create infertility. I mean, it's it's not an accident, folks. What's going on? This is all by design. How do I know? Dartmouth University, 2013, talked about it. The bioweapons must be produced in large quantities. Well, they weren't able to do that until 2015 with crispr tech. Scientists will soon be able to design pathogens by creating synthetic genes, synthetic viruses, and possibly entirely new organisms. Yeah, in 2013, they were already able to do that. There are those who say the First World War was chemical, the Second World War was nuclear, and that the Third World War, God forbid, will be biological. I got bad news for you. The Third World War is here. But we have someone today that's going to help us, help us in this war be emerge victorious. And that's because we've found what their antidotes to this damn, these damn plasmids are. They're called plasmid curing compounds. And that's the thing we didn't know several weeks ago. We didn't know what their terminology was for what the damn antidotes are. It's called plasmid curing compounds compounds and guess what just like you would suspect God wears a t-shirt that says I got this and they are abundant in nature that's right the medicine God intended for us all so fear not God has got this and we're going to be right back with more looking for healing radio and minik bilado and plasmid curing compounds right after these messages.
0: World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Out loud.
1: All right, healers, welcome back. Uh, Looking for Healing Radio is also sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing students, just like you. Be the the best way to be free is to be healthy. So learn how at energetichealthinstitute.org, Holistic nutrition, fasting, detoxification, art of healing, and so so much more. In fact, we're releasing some great courses on geoengineering from Nikki Florio homeopathy by uh, Dr. Ale Juante. And um, so many more things coming out there. We're just really building this catalog for you folks. We want you to know what to do and be able to be confident in what you're doing. Uh, Remove all the doubt and let yourself practice the medicine that God should say experience and explore the medicine God intended for us all. So join the Ehi family and let's make tomorrow amazing. Energetic Health Institute, Org. All right. Well, joining us today is a very special guest, a dear friend, a student of mine, I guess I can say, um, and uh, just an expert researcher, just incredibly talented um, and in so many different ways. Uh, Minik Belado nesmin how are you doing today?
2: I'm really good. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: Now I'm doing good. I'm all, you know, (laughs) if I'm on the air, I'm talking, I'm doing good. It's when I'm silent, you gotta be worried. But, um, (laughs) you know, I gotta tell you, I, you know, I, we, I said, we set out and we said, as a team, "Hey, let's start carving up some of these major responsibilities because it's like this whole new world opened up in the research in terms of plasmids and what were they." And I, I went down the dark rabbit hole, which sucked, <laughs> you know. And you were like, "I was like, how about you do plasmid curing compounds?" We have some other folks doing phosphodiesterase inhibitors and phospholipase inhibitors and uh, and and doing some other you know research here and there and everything. And, but you, I think, really knocked it out the park with this research that you put together on plasmid curing compounds. The presentation is just beautiful. The research is phenomenal. Um, And just the texts I get from you, you know, at random hours of the night where you're just so excited about something, it just seems like it's so hopeful, you know, to me, like, oh, God just did not bring us this far to drop us off here. Tell the audience a little bit about the sense you get. When you're reading through this research and how it makes you feel,
2: I am just beyond excited, um, just beyond excited. And what I've come to the conclusion is that there is absolutely nothing I believe that can't be solved and can't be solved um, with God's medicine. And that's why I get so excited about this. And it's really helped me in my own healing process because it's just redirected my emotional well being to okay, I'm not stuck here. Um, look at all the potential solutions. And there's lots.
1: Amen. And we're going to talk about a couple of the big ones this segment, and then we'll t- talk about a whole bunch of the other ones in the next segment for sure. Um, you know, I want to give everybody a little background before we get into the the big, I think the big two for us, right? Which is going to be quercetin and uh, and and vitamin K. Um, when, when we get into, when we got into this folks, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on plasmids and I'm reading some Ugly stuff, uh, you know, on on what they're able to do, and they're they're way further along than I had originally thought. I mean, they're 50 years ahead of us, you know, on this. So we got to do it. We got to catch up quick. But there's this. um, We got this paper. uh, Adam Rowland actually sent this to me one morning, and it was called uh, "Strategies to Combat Antimicrobial Resistance, Anti-Plasmid and Plasmid Curing" uh, by Michelle Buckner Maria uh siusa and laura pittock who we think are um we think are actually dentists Uh, but they did just such a beautiful job in this of laying out and getting us started because the the word we were we really didn't know what they called the antidote so this was such a key paper for us because not only did it offer some hope in plasmid curing compounds but it gave us the the rosetta stone if you will for what we need to be kind of looking for. And and the operative phrase is plasmid curing compounds. Well, we go a little bit further into this. And I actually, the the very same day, I said to some of my students in the holistic nutrition program, I was like, ah, you know what, folks? I was going to teach about something else. I forget what I was going to teach about. But I was like, how many of you want to help me do a little bit of research today? And so, you know, my students are awesome. So they were like, (laughs) of course we would love, (laughs) we'd love to help with some research on this. So, uh what ended up happening was uh, another one of my students, um Andrew, went, and, you know, found this great paper um out of India, this paper on plasmid curing compounds. And the the paper that he found really highlighted uh in a beautiful beautiful way. It really highlighted uh, quercetin as a plasmid curing compound. And so we, but we didn't understand the mechanism of action. Now, this paper was very interesting because what it did, what quercetin apparently does, is there's, like I said, on plasmids, there's a region where there is an antibiotic resistant region. So that allows and affords any bacteria that is transfected um, by the plasmid, it affords that antibiotic resistance to that bacteria. So effectively what it does is it allows these little weaponized bastards to have an extra long lifespan and and render a lot of antibiotics ineffective against them. Well, what quercetin does and its mechanism of action is that it basically inactivates the antibiotic resistant region. And so what that does is when you give quercetin with a kill agent, which is something we're doing a lot now and working with people, helping them get their microbiomes back in order, is we give quercetin with the kill agent so that if they are dealing with plasmids, and I'm about 99.9% sure that they are, we've now rendered that antibiotic resistant region inert, ineffective. And now the kill agents that we supply are able to actually kill the bacteria and the yeast, especially if we have a sensitivity on them. A sensitivity means that we know exactly what agents, which natural agents like uva ursi has shown up a lot and grapefruit seed extract has shown up a lot, which natural agents kill the bacteria anyway. And so what we learned was the importance of marrying the plasmid curing compound with the kill agent to make the kill agent incredibly effective. Now you still have to bind the bacteria, the killed by bacteria up and stuff like that using clay. We use, we like using clay, uh, to do that. But you still have to bind it to clear it out of the system and, and minimize Herxheimer reactions. But isn't that exciting that God has given us this great tool? And it's so wonderful that this paper out of India kind of started this ball rolling. So we we handed the baton to Minnick and Minnick came up with some just ridiculously cool stuff. So Minnick, to help everybody understand, you know, how you came into this love affair with plasmid curing compounds, Why don't you tell them about your story um, a little bit, give a little background for yourself and and let's talk about vitamin K.
2: For sure. Um, Well, my journey began actually September 5th, 2021, um, and I was severely affected by by shedding that transpired into really aggressive symptoms, which included on and off hemorrhaging, And that has been an ongoing problem for more than a year and a half. Um, And that as things progressed and escalated, it even started to affect my heart, my lungs, my brain and my nerves. And so trying to find a solution for this hemorrhaging, um, one time I was in a crisis and um, messaged Dr. H for some help on how we can figure this out. And one of the things that we looked at was vitamin K for the aspect of um, coagulating the blood and trying to stop some of these, the blood clotting um, that was also, or sorry, to stop the hemorrhaging that was going on. And it really, really helped substantially is what I noticed, but I was taking high dosages of it. And what I noticed after one week of taking high dosages Uh, vitamin K2 actually was that not only did my bleeding be minimized, but I was starting to have feeling back in my hands where I was having the nerve problems. My breathing was better. um, My heart was not so restricted and my brain function was better and clearer. And it didn't hurt so much like I had a constant concussion. And now after many weeks of being on this vitamin K2 at varying dosages, um, to test where my sweet spot is, is I had a landmark moment uh, a couple of days ago where the constant knife that I've had in my heart for the last six months is gone now. So it's very, very exciting and hopeful for the direction of this particular nutrient a nutrient as a plasma carrying compound.
1: Wow. Right. That's a, that's a Wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> to, to feel like you have a knife in your heart every day. And then to now, after you've been kind of using some plasmid curing compounds, in this case, vitamin K2, to not only see it have the, cause we didn't, we, I didn't suggest that to you based upon plasmid curing compounds. I don't even know if we had gotten to plasmid. We are, we were just, I think, starting to study plasmids and things like that. Right.
2: That's right. Yeah. We, we definitely didn't look at it for a plasma curing compound.
1: Right. So it was just, it was just really cool. Everyone that what ended up happening was, you know, there's, there's all this hemorrhaging going on and I'm like, okay, you know, let's try some vitamin K at a higher dose and see if it's going to help kind of slow this down. And, and luckily it did, you know, which was, which was great. But then to understand that it has these additional benefits, you know, and, and how it's playing this instrumental role in there. And it starts making sense because where do we make vitamin K2? Well, vitamin K2 is made by a healthy microbiome. And now Minnick, do you mind sharing a little bit? Cause we did test your microbiome. Do you mind sharing a little bit of what we found um, with your microbiome screening when it came back?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, I definitely had, um, dysbiosis within my micro microbiome. So a couple really pathogenic ones, um, some not as bad. It's in that kind of subcategory, I suppose, but also colony collapse as well too. So yeah, I definitely have infection going on. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> well, it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was colony collapse of bifidobacterium. Is that right?
2: That one was low. It wasn't a complete colony collapse. It was the entero, I'm Enterococcus. Not sure the, enterococcus. There we go. Yes.
1: <laughs> so there was there was colony collapse and Enterococcus, and then we had I think it was what Citrobacter and something else in terms of uh, in terms of the the pathogenic bacteria.
2: That one rings a bell, and I but I don't remember the second one.
1: Yeah, that, there too. Yeah, it was some. It it was yeah. I forget it as well. It started with a B. But um, what was nice is that we found that, and then we got a sensitivity on it as well, which for those two microorganisms kind of helped us go, okay, we know what kills those. If we add in some quercetin with it, it's going to be even more effective. But now when you started going through the kill cycles, what did you notice when you were going? Because we do, folks, we do kill cycles where it's like two weeks on, one week off of therapeutic intervention, and then, uh, and we do- you know, I think the minimum for everybody is at least three kill cycles they have to go through. And it's probably for people who are severely injured, we're looking at six or so kill cycles. But Minik, what were you experiencing when when you were going through the kill cycles?
2: The first week was really hard. I'm not going to lie. I felt that my emotional and physical well-being could not take the um, results of the kill cycle. But by the end of the first week, and with some encouragement that, yeah, I can do this, um, by the end of that First cycle of the second week, I started to feel a little bit better. And by the second kill cycle, so that second two weeks, I started to feel amazing.
0: In fact, probably
2: the second last day in the last day of that kill, that particular kill cycle of feeling awful and having crazy symptoms.
1: That's awesome. You know, so, 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 and, and have you done a third kill cycle?
2: I'm just starting up another kill cycle right now. The third one.
1: Yeah. This is something we looked for, and this is something I was, I was checking on with everyone is, is what should happen is the first kill cycle should be the roughest. You know, and I know for me, I, I did a microbiome screen as well. And my microbiome was way off, <laughs> way worse than I thought that it was, but it makes sense. I hadn't really been taking care of myself uh, the last couple of years. Like I, I normally did. I'd only done a few cleanses and things like that. Um, so it's like, oh, wake up call, you know, time to, time to get some things in line. But the first one was, the first one was rough but I started seeing massive symptom improvement. And then um, in like aches and pains and itchy skin and itchy eyes and how my digestion was working. And then by the second kill cycle is great. I'm, and then I did a, I did a partial third one, but I didn't really do a great job. So I'm actually starting up my third kill cycle right now. Um, and then what we do folks is in between kill cycles during that week off, that's where we fast. You know, that's where you take a three day fast. And and that's where you also get a little liver, flush in there and help liver out a little bit. There's some things that you do during that week off to, to kind of set yourself up for the next one. Um, and we teach all this in the art of cellular healing. This is, this is really what it comes down to is I want to teach people how to deal with these bioweapons. And that's what we're learning how to do um, here as well. So uh Minik, with the um, with, with your experiences then um, with this, you know, and, and vitamin K2, I think the big question people are going to have, well, how much vitamin K2 were you taking? Um, what what was your dosing on that?
2: When I was going through the spurts with the hemorrhaging and trying to get that under control or the aggressive bleeding, I was doing anywhere's from four hundred to eight hundred micrograms, about three to four times a day, depending on what I felt I needed and what was working. Trying to find my sweet spot, it seems like it's about twelve hundred milligrams is what my sweet spot is right now, and mm-hmm. that's where I noticed that. Um, That not just the bleeding that seems to be the first to get under control, but what I pay attention to is the heart, the lungs, the nerves, and the brain. And it seems to be at that 1200 micrograms that the nerves um, have the biggest shift. So that's what I've been sticking with right now.
1: Isn't that 1200 micrograms over the course of a day? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, really, a a really healthy. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big dose. It's not a crazy big dose, but it's a pretty big dose. But look at the effect, right? And that's what you go by, you know, that effect. Now, want to keep in mind, everybody listening. These are for educational purposes only, right? Make sure you discuss this with your qualified healthcare team. Anything we're doing here, we're sharing experiences, you know, and hopefully bringing some hope to the table for everybody as well. Um, Now. When we get into vitamin K and we have just a couple, we have like another, a minute here, but I wanted to give everybody a little bit on it. How is it that, and because you did some medicinal research on this, how does vitamin K work as a plasmid curing compound?
2: Um, from what I understand is it helps with um, with so many different things. First of all, there's the gut connection with the vitamin K2. Um, it works on modulating the immune system. This was the thing that I found so cool about the vitamin K is that um, it's not just a coagulant. It actually just enhances the coagulating system. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, but it also acts as an anticoagulant. So it's mm-hmm. technically a modulator, which is amazing when you're dealing with blood clotting in that. And I had a D-dimer done and my D-dimer showed like elevated Um an elevation because of the clotting it also works on the brain so i was thrilled about this it started to make sense as to why i was feeling changes in the brain so very specifically there were studies for improvements with cognition and improvements with neurodegeneration um the nerves as soon as i read this study that scientists find that vitamin k2 repairs the nerve cells I thought, yes that's exactly what i'm noticing like i i can feel better with my hands And the other thing was, is it works also on mitochondria, it helps to modulate mitochondrial dysfunction, which I forgot to mention. But that was another thing that I noticed is that my energy started to go up. And I've been chronically fatigued throughout this whole time. And just sleeping just doesn't do enough. So it was really amazing to see that that was a huge improvement too.
1: So folks, and and the other point I want to make here, and that's, that's beautiful, man, I'm so happy for you, you know, and, and us learning why it's working, why you're getting that benefit. It's not just in your head, you know, that you're feeling this way. But I think what, what I want to remind everybody is it's not just one thing. Because there's a tendency to go, oh, well, all I have to do is now is take vitamin K2 and everything's going to fall in. No, MINIC is doing a lot of work, all right? It's it's all of it. It's that we're putting together, you put together synergy in these compounds. Plasma curing compounds are a key piece of the pie, but they're not the whole pie. You still have to be feeding the mitochondria with the multivitamin B complex and therapeutic amounts. You still have to be taking the vitamin C's and the vitamin D's. You still have to be using the correct kill agents to kill off the pathogenic. I can see that there's a lot to this. So please don't listen in and go, okay, all it is is vitamin K. This is the breakthrough. And now I'm going to start slamming 1200 micrograms of vitamin K2 every day. No, that would be the wrong thought to have. All right. And that's why we say Make sure you discuss it with people you know. And if you don't know somebody who knows, then come and study with us because you'd get a chance to actually work with Minik. She's going to be on the grad TA team, the class that's starting Art uh, Cellular Healing in August. All right. So these are people who have put in the work and these, these are the people that you want to meet and work with because they can really help you. So we'll be right back um, with Minik and more Plasma Curing Compounds and more Looking for Healing Radio right after these messages.
2: Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started
0: it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcast and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio, The liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the Advanced Nasal Solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X dot Save 20% by using promo code
1: All right, healers, welcome back. I'm here with uh, Minik Bilodeau-Nesman, who's been, been doing a fantastic job of researching plasmid curing compounds. And one of the things that our research has really shown is that there's really three, so far, three, because we're still researching this like crazy folks. So this is just, we wanted to get this out to you. Um, but there's three basic mechanisms of actions that plasmid curing compounds will take. So there's like three kind of categories. The one that I think, MINIC, you found the most information on has been um plasmid curing compounds that essentially render the antibiotic resistant region on the plasmid kind of ineffective. So it makes the bacteria more susceptible to being killed off, right? So you'd have to use yes. that. is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Right. So you use like a quercetin with a kill agent. Um, and things like that. And that's how you kind of combine things. You combine a cl- those, that class of plasmid curing compound with a kill agent, and now you're going to have a greater chance of success of killing off weaponized bacteria. What are some of the other plasmid curing compounds that would fall into that category in terms of mechanism action that, that they kind of disable the antibiotic resistant region?
2: Um, we pl- a bunch of things like plumbago, um, hibiscus, um, some East Asian herbs, um, vitamin K, I believe, fell into that category as well, too. Right, I
1: think it did, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you have this other thing that you found. Uh, I think you t- call them NQs, and I think they're naphtha quinones. Is that right? Yes, yes, so, that's so what are those.
2: Um, it's just an incredible category of compounds that, um, work on, on being able to help that break down that multi-drug resistant um, area on these, on these plasmids. And that's why it's considered, um, a plasmid carrying compound. Wow.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by this. Cause I think vitamin K falls into the NQ in the quinone, right. Like uh, category, right.
2: Yeah, well, it does. And actually what started this one, one of the first things that I found that kept coming up was these naphthoquinone. And so I'm like, well, what is that? And let's look that up. And the first thing that came up was vitamin K. I thought, no way, because that's mm. where my experience was.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you had found some other ones. Like it was interesting to hear the, the Pumbago and the hibiscus, of course. Right. Um, Plumbago was something Dr. Janice Schmidt actually grows, which was really cool because I told her about it. And she was like, "Oh my God, I grow that," <laughs> you know. And I was like, "I had never heard of that herb before, but it sounds really interesting." So it's nice to know it, it's it's easily grown. But then you found something else about black walnut holes, right? And now are black walnut holes something that would qualify as a Napa uh, quino?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because um, the derivative, the NQ derivative is juglone, if I'm saying that um, properly, and that's what's in the black walnuts, uh, pecans also too. And one of the features of that is it helps with um, modulating, like the benefits of it helps with modulating cell signaling. Um, But one of the really neat things that I found in some of the papers about it um, was that examples of it combating diseases was Alzheimer's disease and kidney fibrosis and liver fibrosis, which John Hopkins um, wrote about that. And other studies were written about it too, on, you know, the damages of kidney and liver in the coronavirus, for example.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that we just had an, another uh, team come out. I wish I remembered their names off the top of my head, but we had another team um, come out talking about the, the ubiquitous, ubiquitous nature of the spike glycoprotein and how it leads to damage in the liver, leading to the liver's inability to produce complement. For a lot of people don't know what complement is. Complement is essentially like a glue that will stick to things that aren't supposed to be in the body. And it acts as kind of a beacon for where the immune system is supposed to go. So it's like, if you don't have the liver producing complement, then the immune system isn't really going to have that, that activation point to know where to go and, and kind of what to do. So if, and if spike glycoprotein is injuring the liver and preventing that from happening, it's going to lead to inflammation and then fibrosis. And where do we see that? Typically in the eyes, you see that in the whites, of the eyes, the white, whites, of the eyes will be very red. And that's typically a sign that the liver is very inflamed and following up Inflammation is going to be fibrosis, and when fibrosis happens, now you start really affecting how the liver is able to perform its duties, most notably filtration of the blood. It's the blood; it's the body's primary blood filter. So, I mean, you start getting this whole, you know, spiraling downward series of events that that will take people in further into disease processes. So, black walnut holes are a and plumbago looks like it's a naphthoquinone. And then we have vitamin K, especially vitamin K2, naphthoquinone, and what are they doing? Their mechanism of action is that they are going to make a plasmid that has an antibiotic resistant region on it inactivated so that now what you are delivering to kill that bacteria can actually kill the bacteria. So that was one major Category right there, and there's more that you found, Minik. But those are those are some of the the key ones that that have that you found so far. But then we have another category that that opened up, and these are going to be things that will compete with weaponized bacteria, right, for space for for life, you know, within the microbiome, and that was just something as simple as probiotics, which is really really exciting. So, which probiotics did you find? It can act as plasmid curing compounds.
2: Um, the ones that I looked at were lactobacillus plantarum, lactobacillus bulgaricus, and bifidobacterium longum. And in the in the paper itself, it was amazing where they said that it stopped 100% of the plasmid replication, which means that they reversed the antibiotic resistance of the pathogens and like you say, like competes. So that was amazing.
1: Right. When I was studying the, the plasmids, and because and, plasmids are naturally occurring compounds in bacteria. It's the only cell that has plasmids. The problem is when you have a lab-generated plasmid, that bioweapon that's kind of been introduced to this this, uh, this environment, it can create havoc, right? And so what, what happens <clears throat> with this is that you start introducing healthy bacteria and the healthy bacteria have create plasmids that actually try to kill off the weaponized bacteria. And the, and so there's this war going on between the, you know, the good guys and the bad guys, you know, for lack of a better description, and you want to keep providing it. Now there's a, there's a a there's a caution with this. And the caution with this is, is actually kind of important. <clears throat> there's that high quality H2O that I've been telling you about, drinking some more of it to improve cell signaling, right? That's what water does, improve cell signaling. Um, but this, uh, this, this war that goes on, there's a possibility that if you introduce the weaponized um, bacteria to healthy bacteria, that they can go through a process called conjugation. And conjugation is where a bacteria creates, a, a weaponized bacteria would create a pilus. And that essentially, for lack of a better description, is a penis, all right, reaching out to another bacteria to connect with that other bacteria. And then through that, um, that connection that's established, the weaponized plasmid can be replicated and transferred over to the um, previously unweaponized bacteria. So there's a danger to just giving, you know, probiotics, you know, and we actually have someone Holly uh, on our team has actually been engaging several probiotic companies to try and get proof that there are no plasmids. There are no weaponized plasmids in their bacteria. And, and what she's found is, pardon me. <clears throat> what she found is that there are, these companies, um, are aware that there's a problem that they don't know how to solve this problem. They don't know how to test to make sure there's absolute purity in their probiotics. Their probiotics haven't been compromised. And I think there's a way to do, it. I actually think there's an easy step way to do that. It's either through phosphorescence or through, um, what's called blue-white staining. So I'm going to be talking to some of these companies about what we've seen in the literature about maybe there are some simple ways for them to kind of do some easy tests and verify that there are no weaponized plasmids in there. So no lab-generated plasmids in, in their probiotics, which would be pretty exciting to get that additional confirmation. But the probiotics, if you have, if you just keep feeding probiotics, there is a potential that the weaponized bacteria can conjugate with the new probiotic that came in and then transfer that weaponized plasmid to the new bacteria, right? There's also the possibility that that new bacteria can overwhelm the weaponized bacteria and kill those off. But you know, you see what I'm saying? It's kind of 50-50 of could be, could be not, and you, know, you don't really know what's going on. So What's very interesting is there's a third category now, Minik, that you found. That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. There's a third category of mechanism action, and this sounds like a, one of my. This sounds why like why I can't get the damn SARS CoV two because I love this herb so so much, and I edibilize it and give it to my um, give it to my microbiome, <laughs> <laughs> but. What this, this next one that Minik is about to share does and this next category does is it prevents conjugation. It inhibits conjugation. So it's going to inhibit the transfer of that weaponized plasmid to the new probiotics that are being introduced. So um, Bob Marley is smiling down on us, Minik. What, what is this wonderful herb that has this, uh, this capability?
2: Why don't you go ahead and introduce that one?
1: (laughs) Cannabis. Yes. Yes. Cannabis. (laughs) What can't you do cannabis? Oh my goodness. And folks, we're not saying again, edibleized. I'm not talking about vaping. I'm not talking about smoking it. This is where you have to prepare it and activate the THC. I think it was the THC was the actual compound, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what you have here is THC has the ability to prevent the conjugation of a weaponized bacteria conjugating with a non-weaponized bacteria and then passing on its weaponized payload the plasmid right yes. this is yes. so exciting so three mechanisms of action that we have right now folks you have plasmid curing compounds that can I should say three yeah three mechanisms of action so you have plasma curing compounds that can work with kill agents to render the antibiotic resistant region inactive and allow for the kill agent to really kill off the weaponized bacteria. You have probiotics, which can compete and start a war, pick a fight with these weaponized bacteria. And you have cannabis And something else, Minnick's going to share with you, that actually inhibits the conjugation ability. So it's going to inhibit the ability of the weaponized plasmid to pass over its weaponized payload to a new bacteria. So you found one more herb that fits into that same category with cannabis and maybe without the psychotropic effects, right? For people who don't (laughs) want the psychotropic, I don't know why you wouldn't, but okay. Um, What's that herb?
2: So, if I'm pronouncing it right, it's Maristica Iowiana. <laughs> it's from the nutmeg family, and it really, really helps um, with it. It's very potent, actually, and showed um, anti conjugant um, activity. It prevents um, the conjugation, At like seventy percent, I think it was, which is huge.
1: This is huge, right? This is this yeah. is so huge and so exciting. And what do we keep saying? It's not some crazy you know, lab created toxic compounds. There's plenty of plasmic curing compounds, folks, that are completely toxic um, to the system in terms of man-made them. and They made them for the lab and you could not put those in the body. There's plenty of those, right? But these are the things God made and said, hey, uh, there's going to be some crazy psychopaths running around um, on the planet and you're going to need to deal with their idiotacy. Um, so I'm going to leave you the whole bunch of cool stuff that just grows. <laughs> it just is there. And, uh, cause you're going to need it. Um, cause you're going to have to deal with some crazy people thinking that they're me and they're not <laughs> You're like right on God. So folks, um, let's, let's do a quick recap. We're coming up against it, but let's do a quick recap a minute before we do that. What. What final comment, what final message do you want to leave for everybody that's listening in today?
2: I just keep coming back to the hope of all of this, um, that in everything that I researched and all the papers that I went through to be able to put this together, um, everything gave hope as to I thought there is nothing that nature can't heal. And I know for somebody who was in a pretty desperate place and in despair, and looking for answers, and finding them, and now, not just having it in theory, but actually seeing the results that's changing my life for the better. Um, That's the biggest message I want to communicate to people is the hope. So don't give up.
1: Amen. So I can tell you for me a listening to what you're saying, I would make sure vitamin K2 was a part <laughs> yeah. of what I was doing. And I, and I, I want to correct the record here. Cause I, I had said earlier, like last, last year and the year before that, you know, you don't really need vitamin K2. That was before we learned about colony collapse. That was before we learned what Dr. Samin Hazan was showing. That's before we learned typically K, K vitamin K is used to put calcium on bones. I didn't know it had all of these other amazing things. So yes, I do think, and we have made sure vitamin K2 is a part of what we do now, um, in the art of cellular healing, it's just a standard kind of, you need this, um, this nutrient, especially if your body, your microbiome has been disrupted and there's been colony collapse and, and you may not be producing it. Right. So just right off the bat, vitamin K2 would be something I'd put in my, my other thing that I would be doing here is saying, if I'm going to, I would get a microbiome screen. All right. Absolutely. Right. I would, I would go, I don't want to guess anymore. I want to know as much as I can about what's going on. So, um, I'm going to get a microbiome screen. I'm going to have some people interpret it with me and give me some recommendations. We do this at the Energetic Health Institute. We have a microbiome screening. Just go to energetichealthinstitute.org under tests our test menu. Um, our screening, should say our screening menu. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll help you with that. I mean, that that's to me, it's a key, it's a key, key test for everyone and to know as soon as possible. Um, Cause what we found was that a lot of people were just severely infected um, with a lot of pathogenic bacteria, but also a lot of uh, systemic yeast infections folks. Right. And there's easy, it's, there's an easy transfer of plasmids between E. coli and yeast. All right. That's in their literature, all over their literature. So there's a lot we can do about this, but we don't want to guess when we can know. And once you have that and you start putting some things together, now you have a plan and it's not going to necessarily be quick, right? This isn't necessarily going to be quick, but it doesn't mean it isn't going to be effective. And that's what's more important right now. It's not speed, it's effectiveness. So, uh, Minnick, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this, this preview of this great work. We're going to make sure we publish this work and this presentation for everyone, um, in the art of cellular healing. So you'll be able to get all of this wonderful information that Menick has compiled and so many, and we're going to be bringing other folks on who have done great research on a whole bunch of other important topics. And we'll tell you why they're important. But this is a game-changing topic right here, plasmid curing compounds. So if you haven't heard about that and you think you've tried everything, think again, you haven't yet. And that should be exciting for you because it's easy to lose hope when you feel like you've tried everything and doesn't feel like anything's working for you. All right, folks. Well, with that being said, I want to say, remember that the only medicine is natural medicine because natural medicine first does no harm. There's so much we got to unlearn and we're grateful to be able to unlearn it with you so we can learn something much better, something filled with love, with logic and with light, something that God intended for us all. Remember healers, we are beings of light. So always look within first when you're looking for healing. And I say to you, may God shine His divine light down upon us all. Everyone we love and surround us in the protection of His warm and healing, His warm and healing embrace. Of course, you know the ending now on that one. I'm Dr. H, founder of the Energetic Health Institute. Please make sure to tune in every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, for more. Looking for Healing Radio, and until we meet again, I say to you all, aloha and adios.